Okay. Tonight's share is dedicated to the Nishmas in the memory of Mother Hebe Menashe Oved. His yard being on the fifth day of the month of Tammuz. There are different ways to talk about a person. Rav Mordechai ben Menashe I never had the schus to meet personally. I did know his sons. I know his sons very, very well. And uh, I'm sure that his schus, his prayers stand by them and um, protects them and looks over, looks out for them, watches over them, as any good father would be. I guess we don't say Allah Shalom, we say Hashem Yidrosh Damav. As he was, his life was snuffed out by a bullet at quite a young age. When we give a name, a name to a child, for the record, just Salangi Gizunta Yarn, this Friday morning at 8 o'clock, we'll be celebrating the Bris Mila of my grandson, my son Ezra had Hashem, his second son, blessed little boy, Gizunta Hayt, and we had Shem this Friday morning. At 8 o'clock here in our home, we will be celebrating his bris. When we give a name for a child, it's a special nevoa, a special prophecy that presents itself to the person, to the father, to the mother, to name that child. And generally, typically, people will name the child after either a tzaddik, a righteous person, or a grandparent, a great-grandparent. Sephardic custom is to name after live grandparents, which is a schut for them, a merit for them, for arichat yamim, longevity. The Ashkenazim are more superstitious, and the Ashkenazim hold that only if a person is no longer in this world, do we give their name? Giving the name, obviously, is what carries on the legacy of the person. Mazari b'chayim, afu b'chayim, Rashi tells us, Yaakov, avinu leim meis, the Gemara said. Talmud says that Yaakov avinu did not pass away, and therefore... In order to understand how that works, Rashi explains, just like his children are continuing in his way, so too he remains alive within them. 
when we talk about the Germans, Nazi Germany, we say, Yemach Shemam V'Zechram. May their memories be obliterated. So obviously we don't want their name or their memory to continue on. During World War Two, there are many, many stories, happenings, mishaps are probably the better way to explain them. Atrocities, catastrophes. Entire towns were wiped out, exterminated. Entire cities. Warsaw. Warsaw was tremendous. Just totally, totally obliterated. Amongst the survivors who managed to also lose a substantial amount of people in his family was the Kleisenberger Rebbe. The Kleisenberger Rebbe somehow survived and he had a chassid who became a chassid of his that survived with him. They had gone from camp to camp. They were basically, I believe, in Auschwitz. Then they were given the task of cleaning out Warsaw. They wanted to clean up the mess. They didn't want people to actually find traces of their atrocities. And so he was part of the group that was given the task of cleaning out Warsaw and the bitter heat and there was no reprieve and they didn't let up all day long they tortured the people they were, the dogs were barking and the Germans were barking they were all barking at the people which didn't help for the workload either especially that you had no food and you had no care you had no normal sleeping quarter one morning apparently the Russians were getting very close to Warsaw they decided they had to move these 25,000 people out of here. They didn't want to get caught with them. So they told them to start marching. They were going to take them to a concentration camp that was not so conspicuous, it's not so easy to find. And this death march was very severe. And <laughs> these demented minds of the Germans in Machshimam made sure the people stayed even on a straight line if a person walked out of the line they were shot and the people started to see that if you fell out of line that was the easy way out really and the Kleisenberger sent a message to the people please, please stay in line and the people begged and pleaded and they said they're dying of thirst and he said stay in line I guarantee the water will be here soon and they traveled further and that night they sat and rested and the water was nowhere to be found 
and they had actually passed the river and people just felt they wanted to jump in. They realized that meant immediate death. The reprieve would be very short-lived. And again, he pleaded with them the next day, he guarantees water that night. He came to a rest area, rest area, came to a spot where they're going to stop for the night. The Germans couldn't travel at night with them. They couldn't risk escape. And they were all lying down and one of the, this fellow, this Avi, I think, Avi, I don't know what his last name was, was the representative since he was told to go out keep telling the people stay in line and have faith and promise the promise they came to him and they said where's the water so he went to the Kleisenberg and he said Rebbe there's no water the people are just collapsing they're dying and he said everybody has spoons let everybody take the spoon and start digging you'll soon see water they were in the middle of a barren area with no water miles and miles around. But that's what he told them to do. And they started to dig, and lo and behold, water started to sprout. Little springs of water started to spring up. And the people refreshed themselves with water. This is also similar to the Pasha of Balak, where we have to believe that Hashem has the proper promise in store for us, the proper way of life that we don't understand, that we feel sometimes so desperate and so forlorn. Going back to the original subject of a name, what is in a name? A name is something that needs to be continued, that needs to live on. If a person marries a woman and the person dies without children, is the obligation of his brother to marry his wife to continue his name, that his name should live on. This is called in the Torah Yivum. And if a Yavum does not want to marry the widow, there's a process called Chalitza. How to get out of this, almost like a get to a married couple. Chalitza, which is a little more messy, a little more nasty. And he's told, you did not want to keep up the name of your brother, and therefore you're disgracing the name of your brother. And in essence, they say, with giving the name of a child, it is a level of kibadav, of respecting the father, when the child gives a name after his father. So, as my children have the merit to give the name of my father, it was a schus and an honor for me, obviously, and so much more so an endearment to me. Let us examine the name Mardachai. The Jews left Egypt. And they traveled Derech Yamsuf. Derech Yam, the way of the ro- of the waters, 
And we know water ain't mayim elatera. Water is only refers to when we refer to mayim, we refer to the tera, the waters of water of tera. And therefore, the name Mardechai, the letters Derach Yam, the way of the water. And obviously, this is a way which he instilled in his children as supporters of Torah institutions, supporters of Torah lessons, and tonight as well, they sponsor tonight this year. Usually, have a Suda on the day of the Jadzite. And the children actually fast, as the Shachanarach says, Anshe Maisa. With the special people fast on the day of the Yatzer of their parents. And they fast throughout the entire day. They even asked if they should fast from the night before sometimes. I don't always remember if the, what they, how they do it. They're prepared to fast the entire 26 hours. But anything for their father. Mind you, they were little children when their father was killed. There's a custom that when we daven, we say three times a day the Shemonese. Upon completion of Shemonese, the last paragraph that's added by Rav Papa is the Elikainetzer. In the Elikainetzer, prior to finishing the Elikainetzer, before we say the Yuleratzayim, it is customary to say a Pasuk that coincides with your name. If you have two names, there's a Pasuk for each one. Personally, Yitzchak, I have Yitzhiya Mecheshech, which the letter starts and ends with the same letter as my name. The Pasuk starts and ends the same letter. And my other name, Yaakov, is Yancha Hashem B'yem Tzareis, Hakev Hashem L'Yaakov. Chassidim also say the Rebbe's Pesukim, which I'm aware in Ayim Yisamach Leiv, Shmua Tevet Dashem Etzim, Ateva Lech Yaakov, Mishkin Nesachi Yisrael. The reason being for this, is by repeating it over and over, the soul remembers this letter, this psukim, and therefore remembers its name when it comes to Bezna Shamayla, and therefore Chassidim also say the Rebbe's name, so they remember who the Rebbe is when they come to Bezna Shamayla. Interestingly, the psukim that they use for Mardachai is in the chapter of Kufiya Tess of 119, the first Pasuk of the second half of the chapter. The chapter is divided into two parts. Because the chapter has eight Pesukim for each letter of the Alephase. Eight, 
8. Correct. 8 psukim coincide with each letter of the alphabet. And therefore, most people, when they look for a pasuk for their name, will find it in Kufiyotes. But Kufiyotes is divided in half when reading it during the month. Chav Heilachet, this 25th day of the month, is read, we read the first half, and Chav Vavlachet is the second half. And the second half starts with the letter Mem, and the first pasuk is, of course, Ma'ahavti Teresecha Kalayemisichasi. How I love your Tera all day long is my conversation. Interestingly, out of the eight Pesukim, starting with the letter Mem, you have the Mahafti, as we said before, also begins Mem and start, ends with a Yud. Also, and again, so six out of the eight Pesukim start with Mem and end with Yud. Now, truthfully, we could spend hours on translating, interpreting the words of Davra Melech. Firstly, the letter Mem. The letter Mem, the value of the letter Mem is 40. The word Mem represents the word Maimer. The letter Mem represents the word Maimer, a pronouncement. Which refers to, of course, the ten pronouncements that God used to create the world. It also says that for first 40 days, an embryo forms itself in the mother's womb. And after 40 days, a person is no longer allowed to pray for a son or a daughter. First 40 days of the pregnancy, a, man, a person can pray for the child to be either a boy or a girl. But after that, you're not allowed to anymore because it's already established and it's called Tefillah Shav. So again we find 40 referring to creation. 40 years in the desert prepared the Eden to go into Israel again in a form of birth as they came into the new nation. And the first thing that the Davra Melech calls out is How I love Teda. Chachma the word Chachma, persons being a Chacham, but Chachma is wisdom, is the letters Koach Ma. The Koach of Ma, the strength of the concept of Ma, and Ma, according to Chassidus, is an extremely, extremely high level, which we're not going to go into at the moment. Because here, though, again, we discuss the Ma, Ahavti Serasecha. A person generally if there's falseness in it anywhere, doesn't continue with a, with a, any given issue. <laughs> I guess that would fall into place with dieting. 
people don't see results from the diet, they just get fed up with it. They say it's not working. But when something is true and perfect, then the person relentlessly keeps going at it. And therefore it says, Ma'ahavti Serasecha is Mem Aleph Saf, which are the letters of MS. How I love the Torah because they are represented with the word MS of truth. And he says, and all day long I converse in it. Generally, how long can you stay on the same topic? You get fed up eventually. An hour, two hours. Gets repulsive sometimes, it gets boring, gets dull. But David Malach says no. He's so enamored with Tera. No matter how much he discusses it, he loves it so and he can't get enough. The Sephardo says that the person has an obligation, the Jew has an obligation to make Torah his constant companion. You have to speak the words no matter what you're doing, speak the words of Torah. There's a medish called Shachatev. And he says, when a person loves Torah, a person loves life. That's what David says, wherever I go, I take Torah with me. It's not a burden for me. It's not trouble for me. It's a song. All day long, I say my song. Sicha. Sicha, see, Sicha is a lashon of prayer. And this is the Pasuk that's generally used for the name of Mordechai. How a person loves Torah, lives the way of Torah, continues the way of Torah. But interestingly, we look at the other Pesukim. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. For ever with me is also a very beautiful Pasuk. And so is Mikomalamda Yizkalti. For all my teachers, I grew wise for your testimonies and my conversation. Etc., etc. But each one of these psukim, whether it be referring to the Eitzahara that I overpower, or we look at Dayaga Daimi and Achitaifal who took Terah only to amass knowledge and didn't want to actually find something, a way of life in it. They just wanted to find the knowledge from it. They wanted to enjoy the Chochmah. Or as simply David Amalekh might be saying, my enemies always try to tear me away from you, God, and it's your tailor that keeps me attached. But this has already in it, although Kilelem Hili is forever with me, and the beauty behind it, it has a slight implication of negativity. It's fighting the enemy, etc. And the same, Mikomalamde Eskalti. 
person has to learn only from one teacher and the person that goes to different teachers, the problems that arise from this. How a person has to see to it, they focus on their studies from one major teacher first. And so and so on, so on and so forth, all the psukim that I mentioned with the letter Mem and end with the letter Yud, all have in them the beauty of Torah, the greatness of Torah, but they have some kind of connotation in there, not that it has a negativity, God forbid, to Torah, but has a slight negativity within it of a battle that is raging. Whereas the Pasuk Mahafti Serasecha Kalayemi Sichasi is pure and through and through, and even begins with the word Emes. And thereby being the proper Pasuk for a name like Mardachai. And I was going to go into the Ben Menashe, the Menashe as well, but it would take up all evening. Bullock, Bayar Bullock Ben Tzipper. Bullock was not the son of a Tzipper. So what does it mean he was the son of a Tzipper? Farshim tell us, Medrash tells us, he was a magician. And as a magician, he had a way of talking with the dead. And the method was to take the tongue of a bird. I don't know the rest of it. But it was part of it. It was the main part of it. That's how he got the name Ben Sipor. He was the son of a bird. If he was able to use a gun, he would be called the son of a gun, but um, he was definitely not a good son. Um, check everybody else signed in. Just checking if anybody else had signed in. It's interesting to note that Bilam mentions in one part of time, one part of the point of the trying to curse the Jews, how he's blind in one eye. And then Friedrich Rebbe, as a child, asked his father once, why does a person need two eyes? I can see everything in one eye. And he told him, you need a right eye, you need a left eye. The right eye sees the good in things, and the left eye sees the not-so-good in things. So Bilam is saying, I don't have that problem. I'm blind in one eye, I don't see the good in things. I don't have to see the good in Jews. I only see the better, because summer hours, summer hours. told the story before Moshe Dayan was speeding on a highway Moshe Dayan the policeman pulled him over and saw who it was Moshe Moshe says such a prestigious person like you speeding breaking the law what are people going to say and he says and he gives the Chaimet I'll tell you the truth Generally, the person drives, 
He has one eye on the road and one eye on the uh, speedometer. <laughs> if my eyes on the speedometer, who's watching my road? Um, what else did he bring? What else did he bring in the bag of gifts? He made you all the water. How much it is? Not yours. Not Ezra's. Not Ezra's. Not Ezra's. See, my nerd doesn't know he's missing the jelly rings. Um, no, he's busy. He takes the film to go tomorrow on the train. Let's take a little jump to the end of the Pasha. The end of the Pasha... We have a Nasi, the head of a tribe. That marries a non-Jewish woman. Prior to marrying her, he approaches Moshe Rabbeinu. And he blatantly asks him, May I? After all, you married Yisra's daughter. Why can't I marry? And from this, because of this conversation, because of this question, Pinchas is the zealot that steps forth. Not Moshe, not Aloza. Because Moshe said, I'm the Gay Abedava. I'm the Gay Abedava. I'm part of the picture here. He'll complain. He asked me, and he said, If you did it, why can't I? On the other hand, Aloza, who married also. For his sister, same problem. So they step back, and Pinchas is the one that comes forth, and he puts a spear through them. Question is, what right? Did Pinchas have to do that? When we look in the halacha, the halacha is if a, marry, a man marries a shiksa, then the kanoim, kanoim pagubay, kanoim can kill him. Zealots can kill this fellow. 
However, says the Gemara, Halacha, it's the Halacha, Ve'en Meirin Kain. We don't do it that way. Now that whole story of Halacha Ve'en Meirin Kain is, is not, it doesn't fit. If it's Halacha, why Ve'en Meirin Kain? If it's Ve'en Meirin Kain, how can it be the Halacha? Let us take this very example of the man marrying a shiksa and the zealot being Pinchas. Was he allowed to do it? Was he not allowed to do it? God says, You took my revenge. You avenged for me. So God compliments him for it. Even more than that, God makes him a claim for it. These are scratching our head. In that case, how do the Gemara say, Ain Merlin came? Very interesting explanation. The halacha is a zealot is not going to be held culpable if he saw such an action and he came forth and took action. That's the halacha. However, if the zealot comes to the Rav and asks, may I do this? Ain Mary came. The Rav will not pass him as such. The Rav will not tell him, yes, you may. Why? Because when is it a halacha? When you're a kanoi, you're a true zealot. If you're a true zealot, you don't let doubts come into your mind. You take the law into your own hands immediately. And therefore you would not come and ask it of. So therefore the Gemara tells us, Halacha, the Halacha is that yes, if you're the zealot and the zealot saw you did, this guy did this, then you as a zealot may kill the person. However, if you came to ask Halacha, if you came to ask the question, you have a doubt, hey Marion King, they're not going to tell you that yes, you can do it. So in essence... That is how this thing worked out for him. In the same episode, in Perikov Hay, Tosik Bays and Gimel, the Pasik tells us, We'll go back to this soon. Sorry, let's go back to the original episode we're talking about now. Pinchas killing them. Killing Zimri. And the Shiksa. Thank you. And the Pasuk says, And the Jews were crying by the Pesach Ha'el Mayed. There's a Targum called Yenis ben Targum Yenis ben Azil says 
that what does it mean they were crying? Vekriyan Shema. They were reading Shema. They were reading the Shema. What does Shema have to do with what was going on over here? When this all transpired, when Pinchas was killing him. Zaktan says, First of all, what did Pinchas take? He took a spear. What is a spear? The Pasuk says here, Remach. He took a Remach. Remach is 248. Reish is 200, Mem is 40, and Ches is 8. In the parsha of Shema Vehafta, Kriya Shema, there are 248 words. Karein Shema, when he took the Remach to support him, in support of his action, Eden will Karein Shema because the same 248 as the Remach. It gets deeper than that. When the Jews first counted the beginning of the Midrash, there were 603, 550,000 Jews. There were 22,300 Levim. Six twenty-five, eight fifty. Now, after our old incident here, and the Magefa and Pinchas, Terah tells us there were six hundred twenty-four thousand five hundred thirty Jews. For those that are very good at math, you'll know the one thousand one hundred and twenty Jews missing. That's how many died. Out of the 1,120, there was the Mekreshish Eitzim, the person that was cutting the wood. And there was also the Mekalu, the person that was swearing. That was blaspheming. That leaves 1,118 died in the Megafa. Hold on. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad is gematria one thousand one hundred eighteen. They were reading the Shema. They were davening for the 1,118 people who died. So we go back to this Pasuk. A little more on the human side. They wanted to get, the people from Moab wanted the Jews to sin. Because the only way they're going to conquer them is if they sin. 
Pasuk says by Yeshiv Yisrael Bashitim. They're sitting in a place called Shitim. Chassidus tells us, Fein Adam Chait Ach Nichnes Beiruach Shtus. A person only sins when the Ruach Shtus comes into him. The spirit of folly. Shitim. Vayeshev Yisrael Bashitim was why the Jews are now vulnerable to sin because they were sitting in Shittim in the place of folly. Mm-hmm. And they called to the people the Zivche, they invited them to the sacrifices they brought for their gods and by Yechalaom, by Yishtachtel, by Hen. And by Yitzhamed Yisrael, the Baalpeir, by Yichar, Afashem, by Yisrael. God was very upset with the Jews for sinning with Baalpeir. The question is, what did, what did the fact that they were invited to the meal have to do with the sinning of Balper. They are invited to a meal to sit down with the with the Mervim, with, and with this they sinned to Balper. But God was angry because they sinned to Balper. It's a little bit off color. You probably likely take away your appetite. The way the person served Balpa'er was they defecated in front of the Balpa'er. They stood in front of the Balpa'er, they dropped their trousers and they moved their bowels. They moved their bowels, and that's how they served the Avedzer. Instead of bowing down to it, every. Now. question comes up we heard about the Jews traveling in the desert with the Nani covered and these clouds all around them all six sides top, bottom right, left, front, back it washed their clothing they looked after their needs. Looked after. Where's the uh, porta potty? Where's the porta? No. They ate the man, and the man was spiritual food, and therefore it just went through the body. It didn't go to waste. Nothing wasted. They drank Ben Miriam. Also, no, Ben Miriam was also special. However, in order to do serve the Balpair, they have to be able to move their bowels. 
How did the Goyim get them to do They invited them to a party. Come eat regular food. They gave them the regular food, the regular food. They had to move the bowels. So therefore, when Vatikra La'am, the Zivcha La'ayim, I want to go to one more, one more part of the parsha, and that would be totally amiss if we want to speak about yesterday Gimel Tammuz. One of the things that, shall we say, blew Bill him out of the water is Mateva Elachayakim Mishnasachi Yisrael. How great is your tent, Yaakov, and your Mishkan, Israel? Rashi tells us what freaked out Bilam was the Pischeim Shalaleim Lehayu Neged Zelazeh. The entrances to their tents were never facing one another. Nobody ever looked into anyone else's backyard. Nobody ever looked into anyone else's property. What goes on in the other person's house? And that ultimately tells us that all websites that we have that talk about all the Lashon Hara and the stories of other people are, are totally negative to Tera. Again, to Tera. Because Tera tells us you didn't know anybody else's business. We lived our own lives. So much so, the words of Bilam were taken and placed right in the beginning of our service every morning. In the beginning of Shachras every morning, first thing we say is, Because Shachras is a different level. And obviously, before we start to say any prayer, we have to say it any Makabal alive. Because the Mitzvah says that the doesn't go without. And then we start Matayvah Lachayaka. Bilam's words. Quoting Bilam. That's how we daven every day. Bilam was inspired from this for another reason also. Because I'll tell us that the Abish is very open. For repentance, for tshuva, the Eibush wants people to do tshuva. And the Eibush says, "I let I so much so I want you to do tshuva." Pischili kereshe shemachat. Open for me. Show me an iota, like the pin, the head of a pin, and I will open for you gateways that you can put through chariots. God says, start to repent. The smallest form of tshuva, I will open the way for you to be able to go all the way. This is what Bilam saw that blew his mind. 
that the Pischeim, their gateways, their openings, were not across. They did not coincide. God does not say, if you start opening a little bit, Tshuva, I'll start accepting you a little bit. And the more you do, the more I'll accept. God says, just open a little bit, and I will open up everything for you. So, the gateways were not facing one another. They were not equal in that they were not together on the same plane. God is such a loving father to the children that their gate, their doors, their entrances are totally different sizes. Yesterday was Gimel Thomas. Gimel Thomas has many different um, approaches, connotations. Gimel Thomas, the day that Yeshua stopped the sun. Gimel Thomas was a very big fire in Lubavitch, it burnt a lot of the Svarim from the Rabbeim. Gimel Thomas was his Chalta de Geula. Gimel Thomas was the beginning of when the Friedrich Rebbe found out he was going to go free. Sitting with a death sentence over his head, on Gimel Thomas he was told he can go out of the prison and go to be sent to exile in Kastrama. At the time, that year, when the Friedrich Rebbe was given the news, it was bittersweet. It was bittersweet because nobody knew what was worse. Was the prison worse or was the gallows worse? Only ten days later did they find out that Gimel Thomas, the Friedrich Rebbe, was out of prison entirely and freed, exonerated, did they see how strong this message was to the world? How Terah is going to <coughs> conquer Terah rules? Because they saw first then how Terah now overshadows everything and Terah is the right way to be. And then there are those that will commemorate always Gimel Thomas with 17 years of the Rebbe going into concealment. But since we've seen the Rebbe physically, and we know of course 17 is the same gematria as the word toiv. It's the most famous of gematrias actually in words. Everybody knows 17 is toiv. And we see the 17 being Toiv when Yaakov came down to Mitzrayim, Vayechi Yaakov, Eretz Mitzrayim, Sheva Asreishona. Yaakov lived in Mitzrayim 17 years, and Rashi says this is the 17 best years of his life, because he lived with the world of Torah. And therefore the 17 has many, many different implications. See, Nat, Nat doesn't come, but he would appreciate his service. I haven't mentioned his name, name in a long time. His wife, Shavu Fulishlema. So 17, in this case, the 17 years of which we were given 
the task to rise above trials and tribulations of concealment. And therefore we have to make a vayechi of it, we have to live with it. And I'm quite sure people that are marking, counting the 17 years, don't see how it coincides with the word yechi. But v'chai bahem, we have to live with it. We have to live with the words of the Rebbe. We have con- we must continue the words and the mission, the legacy of the Rebbe. Going on Miftzayim. Helping fellow Jews, Avis Yisrael. And ultimately working on and striving to help bring Mashiach. So that we can ultimately once again merit seeing the Rebbe before us, saying Tera Chadosha, saying the new words of Tera that have yet to be revealed to the world, and taking us out of this Golas and taking us this very day before Shabbos, Pashas Bavak. As you know the story of Ben-Gurion when the independence the war of independence he got a small shipment of arms immediately all the Tel Aviv the Agana came running we need the arms we're losing this front of not and this one came in this front this one, this one, this one everyone came from the different fronts of who, what, when, and where. There was one group that came to Ben-Gurion and said, we need the guns to protect Yerushalayim. Because without Yerushalayim, the Jews are nothing. And he heard this argument over and over and finally decided that's, that's where he's going to give the arms. He gave them to the people protecting Yerushalayim. Which is not yet the capital. It was not yet a city that was so fully occupied of Jews. He gave the arms to Yerushalayim. And when the Rebbe was told this story, the Rebbe said, please repeat the story. And the fellow said it a second time. When the fellow repeated it a second time, the Rebbe said, I don't know how he had such a schus to have the knowledge to do such a thing, that Yerushalayim should be protected before anything else. And so we should take a see the schus, and we should have the schus, not protecting, but going and moving and residing once again in Yerushalayim and Akedah with the Bayis Hashlishi and the Rebbe Melech HaMashiach taking us out of Golis tonight. Good night to all.